Hello and welcome to the On an Adventure podcast, the show where I interview magic content creators to learn how magic has impacted their lives. Today, I am joined with Zbex. Zbex is a cosplayer and streamer. Zbex, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing fabulously. Nice. Uh, I've just been uh, preparing a cocktail to take to my book club later today. Um, I'm not playing Friday Night Magic tonight, but there will be more magic played later on this weekend. Nice, nice. Uh, what book have you been reading recently? Uh, we have been reading, I want to say it's, oh gosh, it's uh, The Vivacious Years. I'm totally misquoting the title. It's by Sonali Dev. It's mm -hmm. a really great Indian writer. So it has a bunch of culture in it. So I made a mango mojito. Ooh, fun. Yeah. Nice. How like far into the book are you? I'm finished. Oh, you fi I okay. always finish the book. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, how long have you been like meeting with this, with a book club? Uh, we've had the better book club for, geez, I joined in when we went to Magic Grand Prix Vegas, must have been 2017. Like six mm. years? Yes. Yeah. We cycle through who gets to pick a book and we pick everything from real stuff to fiction stuff to biographies. It's kind of just whoever's turn to pick picks next. So I'm always reading something interesting. That's great. I definitely need to read more. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am, uh, you can the... listen to audiobooks. It counts. That's true. I don't do that either, though. <laughs> <laughs> I am like that adult who has not read a book since high school. Well, uh, hey, uh, maybe you'll find a good one to get you back into it. This this group helped me get back into reading because before that, I was like, oh, all I read is textbooks. I don't want to read either, but I yeah. like reading. That's nice. Yeah, I do go to the library a lot just to do work. And I should just actually, you know, check out a book every once in a I always see that. I'm like, I should check out a book sometime. And then I never do. Like, I don't know. Okay, I, I should... challenge you to check out a book the next time right. you're there. All right, what's, what's your book Even recommendation? Even if it's a children's book. Yeah. What, what, what is your book recommendation? What what should I read? Um. Do you like more... If I was to give you some options between horror or motive, like life motivational, but like fiction, uh, which would you choose? Uh, probably life motivational. Okay. I really liked this book that we read a few years ago called Circling the Sun. Okay. It's about the lady who first, I want to say, flew a plane across the Atlantic Ocean, I could be misquoting this, but it's more mm -hmm. about her life growing up raising horses, and I, I really liked it. Our whole book group liked it, and we don't always all like the books, so that was a rare one. That's That sounds good. Okay, I, yeah. next time I go to the library, I will... Uh, oh, Circling the Sun. Now. Circling the Sun. By, who is it? <laughs> uh, I, let me look, let me look. It was so long ago now. It's by... Uh, Paula McLean. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Book, book tangent aside. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you get started into magic? 
I started playing Magic because my partner plays and has a game store and would always talk about, oh, we got like 40 people for Friday Night Magic. Oh, this week we got 50 people for Friday Magic. Oh, this week we got 60 people. And I'm like, okay, I know what Magic is because my brothers played, but teach me because I need to kick your butt because I like (laughs) games. So that was how I got into Magic was wanting to compete. Nice. Yeah. And so how long ago was that? That was in M12, which was the core set before Innistrad uh, in 2011. So 12 years ago now. Wow. Wow. Uh, how crazy is it to, to think that was 12 years ago? Uh, super crazy because <laughs> I didn't know when I asked to be, you know, taught how to play that it would become my entire life. Right. Yes. I'm sure most people, when they start playing, they don't realize that this is going to be their lives. <laughs> yeah. So did you like start playing like standard or other formats or were you just like playing casually? With your yeah, I started playing. Well, the very first game we ever played that kind of got me hooked. I was handed a Kalia of the Vast deck and played a game with it. Mm. And then from there, yes, I, st- I played standard and I remember I put together a deck that had a bunch of cards, um, like all the elves, like Elvish Archdruid was in the format at that time. So I found all these elves, including ones from like Scars of Mirrodin. And then I was yeah. real sad to learn about rotation because oh. it was, was like August when I finally started putting my oh. deck together. And I was like, wait, have my decks going to be gone? Um, but I still kept playing standard and... Uh, was learning how to do stuff in paper arena did not exist back then yeah we had... and then eventually tried <laughs> other formats nice uh what other formats do you mostly play besides commander i assume you still like to play commander a lot i do like to play commander i play legacy more often than i play commander though legacy is my favorite format it's the best mm-hmm. and i really enjoy playing limited a lot too yeah what uh yeah. what limited formats are you are your favorites? I prefer sealed over draft, but I like both. You like both? Okay, nice. Yeah. What's what's your go-to legacy deck? Uh right now or of all time? Uh both. Okay, well, of all time, Shardless Bug before the Deathrite Shaman ban, and after the Deathrite Shaman ban, uh Sneak and Show. But right now, that's not positioned that well. And mm-hmm. sometimes I still bust it out every once in a while at my shop. But I've been playing Blue-Red Delver. All of my decks kept getting... I know, it makes you spit out your water. <laughs> All of my decks kept getting banned. And so I figured, well, you know, whenever I go to large competitive events in the Seattle area, there's always these Blue-Red Delver decks that come out of the woodworks. And they can always slot in one of the newer printed cards into their sideboard against whatever the other not Delver deck is that is popular. So I was like, all right, I'm going to learn how to play Delver and play it well so that if, you know, Sneak and Show is not positioned well or Shardless Bug doesn't ever come back, then I have something that I can play no matter what's getting banned. And so far, I've done pretty well with it. I played it twice. 
the first time I forgot to put Mishra's baubles in my deck, so I Oops. dropped after round one. Yeah, whoopsies. And then the second time I've played it, I went undefeated uh, with four rounds of play. So I haven't, I played it one other time and I went two and one. So pretty good. Yeah. I, Charles' Bug takes me back to when I started playing Legacy. I never played Charles' Bug specifically, but I played uh, Check Pile. Oh, cool! I love check pile. Yeah, and uh, and shardless book also kind of hit that, like was like very cool. Like, oh, this is just this sweet like, like blue black, uh, blue black green mid range deck that just plays Leovold and Deathrite Shaman and all these good mid range cards. Yeah, uh, it's a good time. Yeah, <laughs> everyone everyone plays Delver at this point. Like ever like. You just yeah. If you can't yeah. beat them, join them, right? <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> the best deck for the past decade. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's never not going to be good. I don't think they're ever going to ban Delver and DRS. So or not De- Deathrite Shaman. I'm giving you the wrong three letter Dragon DRC. Rage Channeler. Yeah, yeah DRC. <laughs> <sighs> they're pretty close. I didn't even they're, think about that. Yeah, they. That. Yeah, they are very close. They're both very, you know, busted one drops. Love it. Bring yeah. back Deathrite Shaman. I will forever <laughs> say that. Unban it in Legacy. I don't care if it stays banned in Modern. Let the Legacy players have their fun. It's not a support uh, wizard supported format anymore. <laughs> hey, if you if the, if Wizards unbans Deathrite Shaman, will, will you do a Deathrite Shaman cosplay? Yeah, sure. I'd love that. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> You've heard of your first wizards, unbanned Etheret Shaman. Gets get gets you back to a cosplay. Yeah. Uh, how did you get started with cosplay? Speaking of that. I got started with cosplay through magic because I saw Liliana of the Veil on the window. I'm sure many of you have seen a similar decal at your local game store. And I was like, damn, she's sexy. I want to look like her. Mm-hmm. And the first time that I dressed up as Liliana of the Veil, we went to watch a pro tour, and I had only been playing standard for about three months. I don't remember what the format was, but I knew, unlike being able to step aside at the store and be like, what's going on in this match? You can't really do that at the pro level because it's serious. So what? I was decided to dress up so that I felt like I fit in. I didn't even know it was called cosplaying at the time, but I have a dance and sewing background. So I wore a purple cocktail dress that I owned. It was nothing like an actual Liliana of the Veil cosplay that I would do of today's standards. But yeah, wanting to feel like I fit in is what first got me to cosplay. That's pretty cool. That's... Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I think think we all like want to fit in somehow like in a new like when we're getting into a new like space new group and cosplay is a very interesting way to do that that i haven't ever like really thought of before yeah i guess for me i feel comfortable on stage and presenting myself so if i'm going to be in a room full of strangers that was my version of bringing my stage experience to what i was going to okay that that makes sense um And how, how has like cosplay evolved for you? Like how have like you changed like your views on it? Or, like, or have you done like improved your cosplay? Things like that. Um, 
my views have changed because I used to think anything was impossible. And so I would pick only characters that I could wrap my head around. Like my ones after Liliana were Restoration Angel, Cloth Fabric, Nylea, God of the Hunt. Again, Cloth Fabric. I made a headpiece back then. It was not good, but it was fine. It was out of angel wings that I actually cut in half and put glued to a rectangle hat. It was very, or triangle hat. It was very rudimentary, but I think that's okay now when I look back at it, even though I say it was really bad, it was actually really good. And I'm totally more comfortable with doing those type of cosplays that are less serious now because with everybody who's out there, first off, you can buy a cosplay and still blow up on the internet, which is really cool. You don't have to make it. So if I just do a casual cosplay, like, you know, I'm wearing pink today, I could be like, I'm whatever the flower goddess and just roll with it. And it's okay. So I, I feel like I've gotten more serious, but also less serious at the same time. If that makes huh. sense. I guess like more serious in the standards you hold yourself up to, but less, less serious in like judging your, your past. Uh, yeah yeah like I do when I'm doing a full build now I don't have the impossible thing in my mind I take time to figure out how I can do it and there are far more references than there were 10 years ago 12 years ago when I started there's more materials that are readily readily available like getting warbla 10 years ago was really expensive and you could only get it in sheets and I think some people probably used EVA foam, but I remember my brother made an anime cosplay and used uh, paper mache and Mod Podge. Like the materials that are available are so much better. And there's so many people who have done YouTube tutorials that now if I'm like, oh, Braska, how am I going to make my tail float? I went through tons of different videos looking at wire tails and fishing line is what I ended up using. So, yeah. How did you make that Fresca cosplay? Cause that, that's like one of the most incredible cosplays I've seen. Like it was, it was just amazing. Thank you. Um, the Fresca <laughs> cosplay was a lot to wrap my head around, but mm. I started with a bodysuit out of cloth. I knew I was going to attach the armor pieces to it. A level of complexity is her shoulders are showing, which a lot of times people make harnesses or things to attach armor to. And so I knew I needed to keep everything super lightweight so they were just attached to the bodysuit. And I did use nude straps, but a lot of that weight is held up by just the elastic straps and what's on my body. Uh, but I used EVA foam to make all of the armor pieces. I have this mannequin and I wrapped it in duct tape and then I used aluminum foil and I made all of the pieces similar to her uh, armor I guess you could call it her weird snake things coming off her shoulder and she's got like a protruding abdomen and all of these details on her rib cage so I sharpied on the duct tape and my aluminum foil and then I wrapped each piece once I'd kind of drawn on and it looked right I marked, uh, mapped out everything in different colors of masking tape. I think I used five or six different colors so that I could then cut into the masking tape and have all these 
little pattern pieces. I think I have a whole grocery bag full of little masking tape pattern pieces still because I was like, maybe I'll need these again for something. <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely a puzzle. Um, and the headpiece, I, I had my husband do a similar thing where we saran wrapped my head and put masking tape all over it. And I had him help draw some lines on it so that I had a foam cap. And then I used a wire mesh cable management tubing to create the snakes along with puff paint and more EVA foam. Yeah. It's insane. It's like so many moving parts to the this like piece that just all comes together. And I can still walk in it, which a lot of people are amazed. I thought about doing a back piece to meet, meet the front piece. But if you've seen me from the behind, my bodysuit just has the patterning on it. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was good enough because when you're in cosplay, you aren't often taking photos from the back. And also knowing right. where I was going to be stationed kind of in front of the weather light for the Magic Con events people just want to come up and get their picture with you from the front. So I did yeah. kind of shortcut that, but I think it's totally okay. <laughs> I, you had to cut the corners somewhere, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, did like, like when you were doing that cosplay, did you like go to wizards and say like, Hey, I want to do Vraska or did they tell you that they wanted to see Vraska? They told me they wanted Vraska. So when I, was originally speaking to the events coordinator. I needed to put together a pitch of which of the five Praetors I wanted to cosplay. Mm. And I researched all of the materials and the methods and made this like two page photo and word doc that I sent to them. And they were like, that was great, but we already have Ella Schnorn. So <laughs> we have a different idea for you. <laughs> and this was before any of the spoilers. Um, and so they sent, they did, after NDAing me, they sent me the artwork to be like, do you think you could do this? Because I think they knew, like, this is a big undertaking. So right. are you going to agree to doing it now after seeing the art? That's how it all happened. So Wizards to, chose it for me. So you got to find out that Vraska got completed before anyone else. That's yeah, when those 10 pictures came out of all of the arts where people were supposed to guess like which one was completed, I already had I had that artwork as well as the 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 completed one cuz I think mm -hmm. that's what they used for the showcase artwork, those yeah. ones that they premiered. So I I think actually I'm I could be wrong, but I think you tweeted something about there was a Twitter thing going around about like um hot takes or on crushes like Vraska I I oh, quote like tweeted terrible, it terrible magic like pickup lines or something yeah yeah <laughs> and so I created one about like both Nissa and Chandra and yours was so good and I was so glad that you did it because I had to retweet it because I was like if anybody sees me I just thought if anybody sees me talking about Vraska they're gonna they're just know, gonna know. So I just, I didn't talk about Vraska for like two months because I was like, I can't tell anybody. <laughs> but yeah, it was those really bad pickup lines. I think you know what I'm talking I think, about. I think so. I think I, I think I posted a bunch of these 
uh, just all at once, just because, like, I don't know, I saw one of my friends doing it, and I was just like, whatever, I'll just jump on this train, because bad magic pickup lines, I think, are just really funny. And I think... Uh, I don't even remember what the Braska one was, but it was... I do remember making a Braska one. <laughs> I know, I was really glad that you did, because I was like, oh, thank goodness she did it, because I was... I, I have to stay quiet about all of this. Right. That's... Man, that's crazy. So how long did the, the Cosmo, like, take to make? 145 hours. Really? That's... I would imagine that'd take longer. I mean, it probably... It, I definitely did finish... Ca counting part of those 145 hours, I painted the ends of the headpiece in my hotel room the night before Friday of MagicCon. <laughs> so I was literally right up to the deadline of needing to be done with it. I Part of the other reason why Wizards wanted to make sure that I was capable of doing it was because the timeline was so short. So I, mm. I got the art around Christmas time and signed my contract shortly after Christmas. I remember being at my family's house and showing my family the art. And I'm like, yeah, I'm deciding if I'm going to say yes or not. And they're like, how are you going to do that? <laughs> like, they couldn't wrap their heads around it. And I was like, I've, I've, I've been thinking of some ideas. So I think if I had more time, I probably would have taken longer. But mm. there was no more time there available. Because no I was still right. working and living life a little bit. I got a preview card during that time, too. Which I decided to make a cosplay for. So... Yeah, I probably could have spent more time on Vraska. Hey, that I do remember that that preview for Necrosquito. Yeah, was a, that, that that was a good one. I I definitely like seeing that. Yes, I'm too you... sexy for this card. <laughs> ah, that's great. So, other than is Vraska one of your favorite cosplays that you've done? I think so. It's probably a tie, like a three-way tie between Vraska, Sarah, the Benevolent, and Galia of the Endless Dance. Mm -hmm. um, I love Sarah because I just feel like I naturally embody her. I get to be nice to people, like where Vraska's kind of a villain. And I also love Galia, too, because I get to be my natural woo-girl party self and just be a raucous. Um, I don't I don't have to wear a wig for Sarah, so that's like a huge bonus for me. I hate wearing wigs. So whenever there's a blonde character, I definitely gravitate towards them because it cuts out part of the work that I have to do. Yeah. So that's those are my favorites. Nice. Do you so you don't like wearing wigs? That's just because like how they feel, or is it like finding like the right hair, like the right color plus hairstyle for the character is annoying. I hate having things on my head. Mm. So like even right now I've got the shocks headphones because I don't like having headbands on my head. Very rarely will you see me wearing headbands. I own a few, but I just don't like them. And so I even, it's blasphemous to cosplayers, but I don't wear wig caps or wig bands because I don't, if you're wearing a wig cap, that's one thing around your head. And then you've got, you know, your wig, that's another thing. And then like Galia, she has the um, horns, her satyr horns. Yeah. So that's another headband on my head. And then 
I love playing competitive magic still. So when I used to compete and play in like day one of Grand Prix, when we still had those pretty frequently, I would play in cosplay. And by the end of round five or six, I would just want to tear everything off my head because when you're thinking mentally about the game, then you notice those things around your head that much more. Mm. I'm also not that much of a hat wearer. So, I mean, occasionally, but only if needed. Okay. So I guess it's just a preference thing, a comfort thing. A comfort thing. That yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah. So, so you, wear, so you wear, like, if you go to, like, a tournament, you'll wear a cosplay for, like, not for every tournament, obviously, but, like, for, like, bigger ones, like Grand Prix and stuff? Yeah, that was kind of how cosplay changed for me, was I would, you know, even if we were only going to one Grand Prix a year, I would always plan a new cosplay for each event. So I still typically like to wear cosplays to events. It's just my time to express myself. Nice. I guess that also like adds another thing of like you have to also be able to sit down in your cosplay because not every not every character could like easily sit down in a cosplay of. Yeah, that was something when I made Vraska too. I knew that I would have the opportunity to play other people while in costume, so I made it break apart so it fit into a large suitcase and it it kind of connects where my knees bend and there's another piece that connect at the feet so it it bends easily there because it velcros on and off right there but I did design it so I could sit down easily and still have it kind of then fold over my legs because I like sitting down and not having to stand all day (laughs) yeah standing for like 12 or like however long that the the event hall is open you know has too much little, yeah yeah too too long the point is uh, bless the judges i know that they do that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is it's a lot of standing walking every time i like because i've judged a couple events here and there and every time they're like wear comfortable shoes please please wear comfortable shoes you are going to be on your feet a lot yeah uh, which is like, just good advice for going to a convention in general. You're, like, even normal magic players, you can still be on your feet a lot. Yeah. In fact, it, when I go to conventions, especially like I went to Emerald City in Seattle back in March, I had this Harley Quinn outfit and I had these heels, the same ones I actually custom painted for Necrosquito. And I wore them I'm for my photo shoot with a friend, but I knew that I didn't really want to walk around all day in them. So I just wore my tennis shoes most of the day, my light up Pokemon tennis shoes with the Harley <laughs> Quinn cosplay. And because I was just like, F it, you know, I would rather be comfortable. And then I changed my shoes for the photo shoot. And then, you know, people, people think it's cool to mixed nerdy things so why not be more comfortable and save your feet also there's any character who'd wear tennis shoes harley quinn would definitely just wear tennis (laughs) shoes (laughs) i've also done it i've also done it with starlight from the boys uh i wore her to a comic con and the boots that i got this was one costume that i didn't make i bought for halloween and then got some more use out of it so these shoes from china do not have the most support or comfort built in. So I was like, yeah, I'll wear them for half the day. And then when I decided I was done, I just put on my tennis shoes that I'd had in my bag. 
So I love coming with a pair of tennis shoes. Nothing wrong with that. It was okay if it doesn't match the cosplay because a lot of times pictures are from the waist up or the chest up anyway. Yeah. And like if like you're walking around in the cos like if you're walking around the walking around in the con and someone like sees like Frasca, I don't think they're gonna notice that, oh, she's just wearing like plain white tennis shoes. No, they're gonna be like, whoa, that's Frasca, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so how, like you said, you like put like a bunch of like Frasca parts like in a suitcase. Does that cause trouble like for TSA usually, or is it just I check smooth? my bags, so not really. Uh, hmm. I, I've had, when I've shipped other pieces of cosplays in a oversized snowboard or golf bag, I have gotten the, the paper notice like, oh, TSA checked your bag to see what was in here. I have gotten those before when I've traveled, but with Frasca, I haven't ever gotten a little note that they looked in my bag. So apparently they, they don't care. They're like, oh, this is film. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't really know much about like if what like flag is TSA other than decks of magic cards. I'm pretty sure just, yeah. Yeah. Decks of magic <laughs> cards will always get you caught through security but I think it's just they look for like weapon shaped objects like my mm. Nissa staff. I think I'm guessing was why they looked at my oversized bag. They're probably like, what is this wooden mop handle thing? <laughs> Fair. Yeah, that that would make sense. Um, so you cosplay for other games. Do you have or like other like franchises and and fandoms? Uh, do you have like a favorite cosplay from those as well? Probably Captain Marvel. Uh, also, similar to Sarah, I just like how she embodies good. And in the movies that came out, the the origin story, she has that moment where she stands up against the boss alien thing. It's like, I'm strong because I am human. And mm -hmm. so I do like... I like those type of characters that are just strong-willed and also blonde. Uh, right. <laughs> so I like being Captain Marvel and I'm able to, I've done a, quite a few volunteer cosplay events in my local community, like doing the superhero night at the Emerald Baseball Games, where then I get to be out in public and have little kids look up to me. It's just really fun. Yeah, doing things like hospital visits to the pediatric units. Um, they recognize heroes, and it's just really cool to bring light to someone's life. So I, I like recognizable things because I'll do a lot of non-recognizable things, and I'm pretty used to people being, well, your costume's cool, but what what's going on? Is there <laughs> like a Comic-Con? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I try to pick more recognizable characters now because it's just easy. Like, I'm planning on doing uh, Tinkerbell for Gen Con in August because of Disney's Lorcana TCG mm -hmm. that's coming out. Nice. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Like, just, like, definitely recognizable characters would be better for, like, if you're being, like, more out in public than, like, specific cons and stuff. Yeah, like there's nothing wrong with being your favorite character from your favorite show that nobody knows about and knows the characters because you'll have that like one person at the event. Like I did Ayla from Chrono Trigger. At... <gasps> I've seen this cosplay. I've seen I have seen this. Oh, my God. 
Yes. So, right, like I wore it at Gen Con in 2018, and I had very few people who knew who I was. A lot of people are like, oh, you're Bam Bam. I'm like, sure. Just like when I'm in Veraska, they're like, you're Medusa. And you kind of learn to just say yes, because the first time you try to go, well, I'm actually Vraska from Magic or Ayla from Chrono Trigger, this game from like 20 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, you just say yes. But then that one or two people that come up to you and be like, oh, you are. That's so cool. Like that will make your whole day. But if you aren't going to be in a space like a convention where you might have one person recognize you and you want more compliments, then you might want to choose a more mainstream character. (laughs) That's. That's very fair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not something I've ever, like, thought about for cosplay. Because it's just, like, like, f- like my particular cosplay is, like, seeing people, like, post, like, works in progress photos of, like, stuff they're working on or just, like, cons. And I just, like, see, like, the, the finished product. Uh, but I've never thought, like, what goes, like, what all goes into it. And the different things you can think about is just fascinating to me. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people think about how public will react but after doing a couple of characters that people didn't know i realized i wanted more recognition so Mm -hmm. i guess my advice if you are choosing a cosplay just know if you're choosing a less known character it's not that people won't think what you're doing is cool it's just that people don't know how to compliment you if they don't know what the character is or what it's from right makes sense yeah um have you ever have you ever done like a cosplay? Because I've seen people post cosplays of like just like them like in a you know in a cosplay, but like they don't plan to take it to events. They just like post it on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Have you ever done that? Kind of. Um, yeah, so two two different things. The Dean Nasari that I did, I actually got hired by Wizards to do during the pandemic. I've never mm-hmm. worn that cosplay in public besides going out to take photos for the image that I needed to publish online. I've thought about coordinating with people like Lady Lavinia's because she also did one of the Strixhaven characters and showing up at the same event in them. But I just haven't because I packed other things. Uh, So that's one that I've really only done online. And then I've had some fan requested cosplays that I've done. Um, Like Misa Amane was a fan requested cosplay originally, but I wore that out because I really liked it. I bought a Lola Bunny costume used off of Poshmark. And I've never worn, worn that out in public because let me be honest, the girl or, you know, whoever owned it before had a booty and like I just am not that blessed in my lower half (laughs) so the shorts are really gapy and baggy and like I can pull them up so they like like for pictures I can make it look real good because there's ways you can you know stretch fabric when you're facing a certain way but I have worn it out in public one time to a friend's Halloween party but I wouldn't really call that the same as in public like you know it was like a closed yeah. 10 20 people and it was whatever yes yeah, it, it was like a halloween party yeah exactly yeah. it wasn't really like a con so yeah i have i have done cosplays just for social media that i wouldn't wear in, to a con that mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes sense i mean yeah is it why 
I guess for the Nasari one, do you, would you ever plan to take it, like, even, like, without the extra, like, Strixhaven character that Lavinius did, or do you just think, like, you'd focus on making another cosplay? Well, I I worry that people wouldn't know who she is. Like, we mm. did see some cards in March of the Machine that we got some, one of the partner cards. I don't think it's with Nasari specifically, but you get one of the, like, Prismari school people. You can tell yeah. it's that, like, fire dress with the water and everything. So maybe people would recognize it, but I feel like... I don't know if people would recognize it. So I just like being recognized more. <laughs> do you like that like attention of just... I do. I do. If I'm going to take all the effort <laughs> to get dressed up. Sometimes it's okay to like, you know, have the card along with you to be like, look. And then people are like, oh, it is the mm. same. I see it. But I like just being known rather yeah, than having like... to explain to people. Right. If someone sees you in Vraska, they could tell that's Vraska from across the room. Right? Exactly. That makes... Yeah. So, so you like that, which I guess, like, then makes ties into, like, you liking more familiar characters, like superheroes and stuff. Yeah. And I I do have plans to do, like, another Chrono Trigger cosplay. I really want to do Marl. Uh, <gasps> I know, right? I have a little crossbow... Like, I think that would be really cool. When it's going to happen, I don't know, but it's on my cause plans list. So, mm -hmm. someday. How how big is that list? Uh, <laughs> let's go see. Well, I, I do make notes whenever somebody sends me a cosplay request, mm. I, but that's a separate list. Right. So, like, if I have lists from each year where I'm like, oh, yeah. Let's see, where do I have this list? Uh, it's only like 20 characters, 20, 20 or so things long. Okay. Entries long. Huh. Yeah. Nice. And do you like, like whenever you, you think of doing a cosplay, you just like take a look at that sheet to get inspiration of what character you want to do? Or do you, does it sometimes you just like, had a character pop up recently that you didn't put on that list that you do more often my cosplays are done on a timeline needed basis mm. so that the tinkerbell one is going to be the next one i'm working on because when we're recording this it's june 30th and gen con is the first weekend in august so i need to make that before the disney because i want to be in a disney cosplay for that right. and then like hopefully if i get hired for magic con vegas by wizards uh because frasca as you know is like not currently part of the storyline uh right. then hopefully if they hire me or even if they don't then basically my timeline is going to be from post gen con the second week of august to the second week of september to figure out my next cosplay and then wow. from there, if I don't have any other deadlines, maybe I can look at this list and do some fun things. But, you know, then there's more magic sets coming out. Yeah, and you want to cosplay shows the, coming the out. new characters because those are the most recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. So is, is Chrono Trigger your favorite video game? Yes. Uh, okay. Good, <laughs> yeah. good, good answer. It is, it is one of mine. I also adore the game it is we have a lot in common i love that 
Chrono right? Trigger, Looter Scooter. Right. Great. Yeah. What, what do you want to tell your story of why you love Spawn Lewis Copter? Because you've told you told oh. me this before. Yeah. Um, so I love Smuggler's Copter because it's a great card. I played vehicles in standard for two years because I loved it so much. Um, Smuggler's Copter. Even though it was only legal for like half that time. <laughs> standard. Well, it was legal in standard the whole time. No, it got banned um, in standard. No, it did not. It did. January no, it did 9th, not. I, I have the date memorized. January 9th, 2017 was banned in standard. Was it really? I don't remember that. This is, <laughs> this is, that was, that was during its second year. Cause I remember in the first oh. things of bannings, they've banned Aetherworks Marvel and Rogue Refiner and one other card. I don't remember what it was, but they banned was, three cards. And I don't think was, Smuggler's Copter was in that first one. It was not, it was before then. It was before Aethervolt came out. It did not get banned before then. No way, because I feel like I played Smuggler Copters in Standard for two years. Um, But I love vehicles. When Pioneer came out, I knew that that card was going to get banned. Um, So I played Mono Black uh, Smuggler's Copters for three weeks in Pioneer before they finally came out with a Pioneer ban list. But they axed it there. Yeah. And I don't play it in Legacy. It is still legal in Legacy, but it's not really like top tier Good. for that format. Yeah. Wow, with Reflectors mind? Mage? Yeah, and Emrakul. <sighs> well, I still continued to play Heart of Quran. Yeah. Aether Sphere Harvester. Yeah. And even when rotation happened and people were like, oh, Gideon, the one that gives you an emblem, like, in, when you pop it for minus four, even after that rotated out, I was like, I'm still playing it. And I played it with the newer Gideon and Chandra and was still able to use it work. But wow, I didn't remember it getting banned halfway through standard. Yep, that is a, I have always, I have had that date just ingrained in my brain of January 9th, 2017. <laughs> Dang, I will say, the one thing that you should not do to a magic player with their favorite card, you should probably not wake them up with the news that their card got banned because I'm, I don't think of myself as an emotional person, but I do cry in movies and such that have, you know, tear stringing moments. My partner woke me up and he was like, babe, I have some bad news. And I was like, what? I was not thinking of a ban list. He's like, Gitaxian Probe and Deathrite Shaman got banned in Legacy. And I woke up crying. I was like, how could you start my day like this? <laughs> yeah, so if you know someone who loves the card and it gets bad, uh, maybe wait until after they have their coffee or breakfast or something. Yeah. <laughs> Would would you rather have found it about it like then or just like scrolled Twitter and just been like, they what now? I would have much rather scrolled Twitter because I'm always like, do you want to know the Twitter drama for today? If okay. they haven't looked at Twitter yet. So I would have rather discovered it on my own accord and been like, did you see this? Not like, well, I'm still head on the pillow. Like, what? I haven't even peed yet. Come on. I, I actually know this uh it's a one of my friends he he pulled this prank on on his girlfriend at the time 
he woke her up at like four in the morning. <laughs> I was like, I was like, hey, hey, babe, they did you did you know they they banned ad nauseum? And she was like, they what now? <laughs> what? Uh, but it wasn't <laughs> true. No, they did. Yeah, it was it was a prank. But it was a prank. Like, and she was so mad at him. She was like, why did you do this to me? Yeah, I'd be mad too. I'm still mad about that news. I'm like, don't break bad news to me while I'm still laying in bed. It's not going to go over well. Yeah. The Death Wish Shaman is your favorite magic card of all time? Or is it Probe? Neither. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> like... Okay, like Smuggler's Copter and Death Rite Shaman are probably somewhere in the top 10, but like favorite magic card of all time, just because of how beautiful it is, Sigarda, Host of Herons. I don't actually cast this card very often, but it was of that time when I started and I love angels. And then like coming in second and third, it's probably a tie for second and third, but Force of Will and Emrakul. I love countering people's stuff on their turn on the play and like get out of here. Can't do that in any other format. I mean, I guess you can in EDH, but who does that? Um, and same with Emrakul. Yes. You can't play Emrakul in <laughs> in Commander. And I love Annihilator. Like, so great. <laughs> Whoever said that was a dangerous mechanic was wrong. Bring back <laughs> Annihilator. All right, so we got we got Zvex preaching for the return of Death Shaman and Annihilator. Got it. Yes, yes. <laughs> I wake up and I choose destruction, I choose not card violence. bannings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. I choose violence. I like aggro and combo decks. That's my style. That that tracks. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Go. Good old Force of Will and Emrakul. We love Legacy. We do. It's good. It's good format. It's good. Very fun format. A great format. That's my favorite. Yeah, I have not played it super recently, but I always like come back to it. You know, eventually, it's just fun. Like, I I'm a brainstorm ponder player. I'm just like I just want to draw all the cards. Like, I love playing Brainstorm and Ponder. That's what Sneak and Show and Blue Red and, Delver have in com common. Yeah, that's like the only two cards they play. It's like yeah. that and Force of Will. Actually, it's really great because people know me for playing Sneak and Show. So all three times that I've played Blue Red Delver at the shop, people are like, oh, I know what deck you're playing. And then like if they beat me round one, they sideboard for Sneak and Show. And then... After game two, they were like, oh, that was not what I thought you were playing. Same mana base, different card. Yeah, even funnier is, I guess, if you, like, if you just turn one, like, fetch for Volcanic Island Ponder. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a sneak of show play pattern. And they, like, yeah, exactly, know, like, like, turn one. Scalding like, Tarn, pass, yeah. Brainstorm, we're good. Yeah, and then they, like, like, turn one, reanimate, kill you, and you're like, okay, cool. Go to cyber, and like, all right, yeah, you, yeah, you play, you play sneak of show, so, and you even, like, Played like Volcanic Island Ponder. Like, yeah, you're on Sneaker Show and you're like, not nah, jokes on you. Here's a turn one Dragon Strike Channeler. <laughs> yeah, they're like, nerd. oh, they're like, I sighted in enchantment removal and like whatever things to sneak out at the same time as show and tell a gotcha. <laughs> like, yeah, those aren't going to work. You're never casting that Angel of Despair or whatever it is. Oh, that's so funny. I've never like thought of like using. 
because I definitely there are people at my store who like always play a specific deck and I I in modern which is the format I play the most I always play living end mm. and and I've like gotten that like vibe of like okay I'm playing against you know the person who always plays hammer time or the person who always plays merc tie or whatever I've never thought of like flipping that on its head of like yeah this person always shows up with merc tie now they're playing trashing footfalls like we're playing rhinos you know <laughs> that's yeah funny. yeah so now you have to think is living in that's a black green mana base it's well um it's blue it's a blue green red mana base but living it plays, black yes but it plays black cards to pitch to green you cascade into living end oh okay so you don't you don't play black sources but you play a bunch of black cards like grief and like street wraith and stuff to to pitch to to pitch to your grief, but you don't play any lands that produce black. Like if if grief is in your hand, it is not possible to hard cast that card. Got you. Okay. Yeah, it's a weird deck. It's it's a very fun deck. But whenever people ask me what colors is living, I'm like I don't know, man. I was trying to think of a way you could game your local scene. So I guess you're gonna have to. To, I like Death Shadow doesn't work because that actually uses black mana base. So you'll have to think of some teamer deck. Um, oh, I know, I know. Um, what's the Valakut deck? Scapeshift? Uh, that was a teamer base. Oh, God. That sounds awful. <laughs> it does sound awful. I don't like playing Prime Time. Uh-uh. I don't like putting nah. that card in my deck. It's not a fun card to play. Yeah, I love like just flipping that expectation. That's f so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, you should try it. I should. I should try that. I don't know what deck I do it with, but you just have to you borrow know. someone's deck just before that's, the actually, tournament starts. Switch decks. That, that's that's the idea. Is just like go to one of my friends, and be like, "Hey, you want to swap decks for this for this F and M?" And they probably say, "Yeah." Give it a shot. Yeah. Plus, when you uh, play a different deck, you get to learn how they win a lot better and how to that's counter true. it. That's true. You do get to do get to learn the other side. And you also just like get a new experience. And yeah. maybe you find your new favorite deck that way. It's true. That's that's how I found living in was I uh was getting back into modern like uh after M like soon after MH2 dropped. And I hadn't played modern in, you know, since like early 2020 because pandemic. And I was just like looking at the modern metagame and I was like I'd been a control player for like the past seven years. I'd like only play like blue eye control or like Delver and legacy and things like that. And, um, <laughs> she's trying to Little escape. Kitty. She, do you want, you want to? Yeah. Okay, cool. I guess not. Yeah. As soon as you go to let them out, then they're like, right, I want yeah, back they're... in. No, I'm nah, I'm good. I just want scritches. Okay, fine. I can give scritches while I tell the story. Um, so I, <laughs> so I just looked at the modern metagame page and I was like, okay, like blue red control and blue and blue red merc tide are like the two the two decks I would like gravitate towards. But then I was like, you know what? Let's just branch out. I'm just gonna play a combo deck. Like screw it. I'm not gonna play like a control deck or a tempo deck. We're just gonna play combo deck. And I just chose living in because I thought the graveyard combo deck was more interesting than like hammer time or or crashing footballs or whatever. And that was like my favorite deck. That's awesome. We love a little percentage of what decks are played and finding something new. Right. Like, I'm always, like, magic's always about the experience to me. Like, I don't usually care what's the best deck, as long as I play a deck that's good and fun. And Playing a fun deck is... is very important. If you don't like what you're playing, it's kind of, like, self-torture. Unless you're into that, but I <laughs> don't prefer it. 
if right yeah i like yeah if you're not having fun playing magic why are you playing magic yeah this is something i've told people it's like you know how do you deal with burnout well uh you, you stop yeah it's pretty easy like if you aren't feeling it you don't you don't go out for friday night magic or whatever it is yeah you take a week off or two or three whatever yeah just yeah it's always gonna be that you, you come back come back when you're ready Okay, my other cat's just on the floor. Right, cool. <laughs> she's, just, she's just lying down flat on the floor. I can't even reach her to give her pets. Um, yeah, do you, so have you ever gotten like imposter syndrome or felt burnout either through like cosplaying or like streaming or anything? Um, I feel burnout sometimes with Twitter because of how circular all of the discussions are and i feel mm. like i've been active on magic twitter for many years and i feel like i've said my piece of some of the like i've i've already said my piece of some of the arguments like about soul ring or the reserved list or you know whatever the current debate is on magic twitter so i definitely feel like i engage less in those types of conversations because when people start then arguing with you in the comments and you're like, no, this is my opinion. This, it doesn't change this argument that the whole internet's going to keep talking about that stuff burns me out real fast. So <laughs> I feel like these days my tweets are much fewer and kind of just positive takes and very rarely do I comment on whatever the current circular argument is because I don't know. I feel like I've been there, done that. And so I guess it's not imposter syndrome for that, but I do feel burnt out on when I see that same discussion come up again. And it's cool for people to have those. And I know people get a lot of engagement with those types of topics because people are going off in the comments, but that just sucks energy out of me. So I tend to stay away from Twitter sometimes now. Is very understandable. Twitter is yeah. sometimes not great. Even like view count stuff, like, you know, Instagram and TikTok, they show you how many people view and liked. And there's definitely a time period during last year and the year before when Instagram was changing their algorithm and posts, posts, I know posts that are going to perform better than other, like more sexy cosplays perform better than me being like here's my deck like there's obviously a wider range of interest of a sexy character than me just holding a deck box um mm -hmm. so but those types of posts i would know about how many likes i would get and then for like my sexy cosplay posts to get the number of likes a deck box post would get or the deck box posts getting like you know a fifth right. of what they should getting posts that definitely got to me and so i I used to be real good about posting on Instagram every day. And last year that definitely dropped off a bit because it did get into my head. And I try not to let views and stuff get into my head, but when you know how something should be performing and it stops, then you try to problem solve it. And eventually now where I'm at, I don't pay as much attention, but it definitely got into my head. And I realized I had to realize that was, Instagram trying to combat TikTok. And for a while, 
like my video views were insane on Instagram because they were trying to then compete in a different way. And they've gone down a little bit now, but I feel like you just have to post the content that you want to post or that you would like seeing and not focus too much on the results because you'll get, you'll get in a negative place. And I like, it's okay if you get there because I got there, but you got to figure out a way to get out of it and get over it. Do you have advice for how to get to how to get out of that for people who are in it or potentially would go through it? Yeah. Um, try posting some different things. So like I did post some things about like other things that I was doing in my life and I knew those posts weren't going to perform as well, but it was kind of freeing to post about something my followers didn't expect me to post about. And then I did get some messages that were like, oh, this is really cool. You're sharing a different side of yourself that I didn't know about. Like you should share more of that. And I was like, oh, people actually want to see that. And then when I went back to posting more cosplay pictures, people were like, wow, I didn't know you had all these cosplays just because I had kind of taken such a break. So, I mean, I think varying up what you post and then it will allow you to lower your expectations because then you're posting about something that you don't expect to perform well. And then when you go back to your regular content, people who followed you initially for that content, it, the algorithm typically will show them more of your on-brand content. So then you might see those likes go up again or, you know, it just... I feel like breaking your own rhythm kind of helps because then you get out of your own expectations as well. Right. And you also like get out of that, like, I don't know, funk that you're kind of in of like, if you're just feeling down, like having something like slightly change up your daily life. Maybe yeah. And it's kind of nice to see what, if other people like the other things that you like. And some people don't like I posted about, my plants for several weeks on TikToks and that plant is now dead, but that's okay. (laughs) It's it's all because I didn't have someone take care of my plants while I was away for two and a half weeks, but, Mm. but that's okay. Like I, then I got to learn about some of my other followers who know a lot about plants and it was cool just having a conversation with them and did the videos do as well. And and my other posts, no, but that's okay. Cause I was just looking for answers. Trying to figure out how do I, how do I take care of a plant? Yeah. So. That's cool. I know like one thing you touched on earlier is like, you don't like negativity in like a Twitter like that, like that burns you out. And one thing I've noticed is like, you just like radiate positivity. Like that's like your, your whole thing is just like always trying to be positive, always trying to like uplift people. Um, and that's like one thing I was like admired about you. Thank you. Yeah, there's just so much negativity out there. Like, so engaging in a argument doesn't really doesn't really suit my purpose in life or I feel like generate anything positive out of it. And my motto has always been to be fabulous. Step 1 is to look fabulous and step 2 is to be fabulous and then you repeat steps 1 and 2. Is step 3. But it's it's kind of just, it's not even about like physical appearance. It's like looking fabulous is whatever, like if you put on a special hat and it just makes you feel really cool, like, you know, or just making sure that you've washed your face in the morning so that you look like you're ready for the day or something like that. And you then just feel being, refreshed. 
Yeah, and then being fabulous is not necessarily about like an attitude. It's it is an attitude, but not a attitude. It's like <laughs> it's being kind to others, whether it's opening a door for somebody or just saying thank you to your grocery clerk checkout person or whatever, you know. Um so yeah, I like posting positive stuff and I get a lot of DMs of people that thank me and that helps me keep being positive because they're like, everyone posts about all this drama and negativity, but I can always come to your page for positivity. I'm like, sweet, thanks, because I'm like, we only get this one life, might as well enjoy it. And we have all these nerdy passions that we get really excited about, like magic or chrono trigger. So why not just share them and make life more exciting because it can be boring art this life 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 can be boring sometimes and you have to make it exciting yeah you have to it's excitement doesn't come to you you got to go to excitement yes got to break through your comfort zones yeah that's hey that's really hard like bringing your comfort zone is hard It, it definitely can be and that's why if you just you just have to try things. And if they don't work, try other things or try the same thing again. Because you never know, especially like posting on social media. I've done posts before at like three in the morning that have done amazing. And then the next day I want to do a really serious conversation before I go to bed at three in the morning, but nobody responded to it. Well, guess what? I can delete that and repost it again at like 7 a.m. when everyone's awake, you know, and who's yeah. ready to have a conversation. And it does way better. So, yeah, it's just kind of about trying different things to find that excitement in your life. Yeah. And my my always, like, like life motto, I guess, is just, like, just try something. Because worse that happens is it fails and you move on. And no one really cares if you fail. Like, like not as, like, a, like, mean thing. Like, oh, no one, no one cares about you. But, like, I mean, like... Like yeah, people are more worried about their own their own actions than yours. Right. Yeah. Like people yeah, people are too busy worrying about themselves, like you know. Then like, you know, in, in a few months, no one's gonna remember that you tried to you know, start some YouTube show and never took off. Like Yeah. Yeah. Like it just it happens and you move on. And maybe and you, you might have something. learned something. Like exactly. if you if you did a YouTube show and you figured out getting a mic and getting it all set up through your computer, then maybe you learned that you actually wanted to do a podcast or, you know, just wanted to be able to have a cool mic to play games with your friends so that you sound better. Like, could be something really simple. Yeah. Or you, like, maybe have learned how to, you know, do video editing and maybe, like, yeah. your, your, your YouTube show isn't, like, the thing you, like, you wanted to spend time video editing. Maybe you wanted to spend time editing I don't know, something else uh, and like some different show with a different topic or whatever. You can use those skills and yeah, I don't know. Try things new in magic or try things new in life. That's the magic and life. Say. Magic yeah. and life. Yeah. Try new decks. Uh, I frequently like whenever I go to like a store or I'm hanging out with my friends, I just ask my friends, hey, can I borrow your ADH deck for, th- for this, for our game? I love borrowing people's EDH decks and usually people are excited to have someone else pilot it, especially if they're in the same pod with you. Cause they get to see either a, they get joy out of seeing you playing their creation 
or like B, you may you might make a line of play that they like always go and get this card with this tutor and that like you might do something different. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize I could play my deck like that. Like there's all sorts of things that just happen if you try different things. Yeah. And like I as someone who's like lent out decks to other people before, I love seeing like their excitement, like they like have a card that like they don't play normally. They're like, this card does what now? Like, yeah. why have I never seen this card? <laughs> I love that too. Um, but yeah, I I really like just I don't know, branching out and stuff is just good good thing to do in life. Definitely. Um, so I know you are a part of She Sparks. Do you want to yes. talk? Uh, do you want to talk about that? What that is for people who may not have heard of that. Group. Yeah, so She Sparks is a movement in Magic the Gathering and gaming. Um, it's to create a more welcoming space for marginalized groups, specifically women, non-binary people, anybody who doesn't, you know, consider themselves a male per se, but there's just not as much representation as there could be and when going to events in the past before she sparks even the vendors a lot of different booths that you might see were kind of all just dudes and there's nothing wrong with that there's a lot of dudes that play magic but it kind of felt like there wasn't a space that represented me So Mm -hmm. as a woman and someone of a marginalized group in magic and gaming, it's like, let's create something where there can be a safe space or some place where people can congregate. And in She Sparks, having booths at events and a presence online, it's a way that we can encourage people to collaborate together. And when people collaborate, like you and I are doing here on this very show, we are then creating more content and thus increasing representation by our actions. So the mission is already working. It's great. So just getting more people out there recognized who are women, non-binary, trans, whatever group you fit into. We've also collaborated with other ethnic groups, um, other charities, because we recognize that we're not the only marginalized group that is underrepresented in gaming. So it's just getting more people to collaborate and recognize more representation and having a, a unifying group. Our motto is you can sit with us. So it's very, you know, non-focused on any one group, but saying you can sit with us, you're invited to sit at our commander table or sit down and grab a controller and play the game, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think like, I definitely like felt the like, yeah, I walk into my store and there's just all dudes there. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of guys who play magic and that's fine, but it's like, it's much better. It's much more enjoyable to play the game when like you feel represented, like you feel like you can talk to other people, other like like-minded people or who come from similar backgrounds as you to about the game and stuff. And I know for me, I've never had a problem interjecting myself in spaces because I'm a fairly confident and extroverted person, but just having the space and the presence to say that, yes, there are women in gaming, you know, there, there is a group out there who is supporting you like that 
that might give some more shy people or reserved people a chance to recognize I do belong here because <laughs> as we see how magic has been, they've, I feel like magic has been working hard in the past few recent years to have more diversity on cards and in their yeah. products. I think it does change a lot. Like having an African-American little mermaid, if you've seen any of those TikTok videos of girls being like, she's like me, like it's like those mm -hmm. types of feelings that you're like, yes, we can do this. We're all welcome to sit and play. Yeah. Or like, I yeah. like even like in magic, seeing that recently with the new Aragorn, seeing so many like, yeah, uh, like seeing so many people who are like, I want to cosplay that because that do that's me. And like, that's cool. Like, that's just cool to me. How like, you can like see a character and like relate to them and, and like, like see yourself in them. And you're like, yeah, this, that's like this, the this perfect exact magic example it's like regardless of all of the stupid people who want to criticize it because there was a lot of stupid hate on the main magic wizards post i think there was equally or more that much more support for people being like yeah you should cosplay this and we want to see black aragorn and you know we we want to have an opportunity for you to feel like you can be this character I think it's really special that we're experiencing this in real time. Yeah. And yeah, like just that whole, like I had a conversation with this, um, with Hire, um, who's a, who's a, who's a, a black guy who, black man who plays magic. He's part of playing with power. He, uh, we, we talked about this and the, the thing he said, it was like, it's like, if you're like, not in an underrepresented group, it's really hard to like wrap your head around what it's like. And he was just like, imagine like you like walk into a game store and everyone else just has like purple skin. And they're like, nobody like says anything like directly to you, like that like says anything weird about it. Like you get like glares or like glances and like you just feel like you don't belong. And like that like analogy, it sounds so ridiculous if like you haven't felt it. Like that analogy is just like what? But like having you feel alien, that, but you're exactly, human. Exactly. Um, and it's like that's like what it's like for marginalized players. Yes. It's pretty cool that we get to see see these people have their moment to break through and find confidence in a game that they already love just through creation of new things. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's a great note to end the show on. Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, would you like to like plug any of your links or uh, self-promote, shill, whatever? Yes, I love shilling myself on the internet. I do it so much, people call me cringe. Uh, <laughs> but not that much. I feel like I don't do it as much as some people blatantly, but um, since I'm on your show, yes, I'm Zbex. You can find me everywhere at Zbex, Z-B-E-X-X. -X. I'm very active on TikTok. I love short form video and love making catchy things in that type of content. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I've been doing a new story series on my YouTube channel, MTG Storytime with Gina and Zena. Covert Go Gina is doing that with me. And we did 12 episodes for March of the Machine. 
So if you'd go listen to that, I'd appreciate it. Trying to get to that uh, 4,000 watch hour mark for monetization someday, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like a hard thing to do. I think I'm at like 600 hours right now. So I just need to keep making content. But yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I'm everywhere. You can find me at Zbex. Oh, and I stream on Twitch occasionally too, when I remember that I do that, <laughs> which is only like once or twice a month with my current schedule that I've had to do things, but I pop on there every once in a while. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah. Thanks for having me.